0: Welcome to and for Off the Block, your weekly podcast for college men's volleyball. And now here's your host, Off the Block editor, Vinny Lopes. Uh, Hello everyone. We are recording this podcast on a Tuesday night. And I just have to say it, this upcoming Wednesday is the greatest hump day I've ever experienced. It is going to be an epic hump day. It is a... Wednesday that I have been waiting for for four years and of course we we have to talk about the big thing that's happening on Wednesday that would be the Lewis versus Campbellsville men's volleyball match I I mean and I think we have to talk about Joe Kensington the middle attacker for Lewis I mean you just have to be excited for Joe in this match Uh, I'm talking about the, the red shirt freshman and, you know, I'm just going to go, Brandon, Jonathan, I'm sure you guys are excited about Joe. Kensings are, of course, we're talking about on a Wednesday.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, honestly, I'm not sure anything would trump that game tomorrow. I mean, I'm just really looking forward to seeing what happens, you know?
0: Yeah, well, I'm going to call it right now also in this one. I'm going to say, Ryan Cohen, let's go 45 kills. 45 kills, I I think he's going to have that in this one.
2: How are you going to get 45 kills in a sweep? Jonathan? <sighs> like there,
1: would, you, you there totally... would have to be some collusion for sure for that to happen.
0: <laughs> oh, well done. Well done, everyone. And
1: with that being
0: said, everyone, welcome. We've stuck to sports. Welcome to the Off the Block podcast, the inaugural one for the 2021 season. I am Vane Lopes, joined alongside by... Jonathan Bates and Brandon Johnson. And guys, we got a little appetizer of the college men's volleyball season last week. We had a couple matches that, that took place. We're actually going to be moving in towards, I, I wouldn't call it the full entree, maybe you know a salad or something like that, because we got more teams coming into action, but not the full slate. we're going to break down those matches that are coming up this weekend, the ones that we're most interested in. But before we do that... Let's talk about some of the news that broke this week, and by news, I mean news that we broke, in that we released our preseason All-American team. So, guys, this is a segment that I like to call Reading Off Names, because that's super exciting. So, we have 10 people who made the first team. This was who made the first team. Casey McGarry, Will Stanley, Gabby Garcia-Fernandez, The Rocket, Rob Parapuna, Ryan Kuhn. Gardini of BYU, Kyle McCauley, Tyler Mitchum, Scott Static, and Gage Worsley. So before we get into the who made the second team, let's just kind of talk about the, the first team here really quick and get your initial thoughts. This was one of these years, I think, where we talk about, you know, kind of the All-American and who's going to be it. Almost somewhat easy because you look at last year's All-American roster and, Everyone's returning, so in some ways, putting this together, the voters—it was—you had a lot of things to base off of. But what stood out to you on that first team?
2: So on my ballot, I only had uh, one setter per team, uh, first team and second team. So my first team setter was Casey McGear, who made it, and then I put Will on the second team. Um, Yeah, I my rationale behind that was that Will has two of the best pin hitters um, in the country to set. So, you know, it's not super hard to set such great pin hitters. Not to say that Casey doesn't have some great pin hitters to set himself, but I think uh, we can all agree that WD and uh, Gabby Garcia-Fernandez are two of the best in the country. I would, And because of that, because I only had one setter, I had three middle blockers on my team. Um, the one middle blocker that didn't make the first team that made the second team that was on my first team was Patrick Gasman of Hawaii. And you know, I if I'm sure other people had Patrick Gassman on their first team, so I'm not sure. I don't think that uh, him be, being on my first team uh, ballot or first team on my ballot is a you know uh, crazy thought. But Brandon might disagree with me.
1: I mean, I disagree with you on a lot of things. I, I don't. I think it's hard to really argue much with this first team. Uh, it's pretty close to what my first team was. And I think Vinny made the point, right? Like when basically everybody's returning, it's it's kind of hard to go wrong. Um, what it does do is it makes that second team really, really interesting. And, <laughs> I mean, it, it's kind of hard to, to think that that second team couldn't give that first team a run for its money if you put them on the court against each other. It would be kind of a fun match to watch for sure.
0: <laughs> Well, talking about that second team, and let's go over it here. So we had 12 players on the second team. There was a tie in voting, resulting in two extra players getting on the team. So you only had one setter on this one. That's Kyle Collins Lewis. You got two opposites. Um, you got Jas Jaden, Jasper Stanford, and Ang- Angelo Mandaleras. Formerly a bar, now Ball State. The only transfer player. I mean, we don't see main transfers like this in college men's volleyball, but transfer makes it. Um, switching teams as a graduate student, and then our outside attackers. Lots of outside attackers in this one. You have Colton Cowell of Hawaii, Randy Deweese of UC Santa Barbara, um, Avaro of Arro Henema of. NJIT, Joel Schneidmiller of UC Irvine, Pelgrim Vargas of Purdue-Fort Wayne, Brent Wildman of Penn State, Gasman, as we previously mentioned, Hawaii Sanders of UC Santa Barbara, and then Mason Briggs of Long Beach State. I think the the two interesting ones for me that jump out, and I think that we have been, especially last year in 2020, we were talking so highly of them. I know I was very big on the Pelgrim Vargas train, um, maybe a little too much at the start of the season. Um, He turned out not to be in the ring for national player of the year. But, Brandon, for you, Joel Schneidmiller, I know he is someone that you have talked about in many regards. It's like this kid's an All-American but still doesn't get some of the accolades they
1: really should be getting. (laughs) Joel Schneidmiller is the best outside hitter in men's college volleyball. I have said it since last year, maybe even before. I'll say it again right now. Uh, By no means should that man be on the second team. He should absolutely be on the first team. He is a National Player of the Year candidate, in my opinion. Problem is, the rest of the team is not overly amazing, and so he's just not going to get that same run. Kid's uh, an incredible player. Um, I am really interested to see um, what happens with Angelos Mandelaris this year because we all know the stats that he put up um, last year and the years before and and the awards and accolades that he accomplished. But now seeing him at a bigger program, um, surrounded by more talent, hopefully. It's going to be really interesting to see how he fits in there and and what kind of stats he's able to put up.
0: Yeah, and I have to agree with you, and we'll get Jonathan in here in a second, but it is going to be fascinating, the Mandalera's storyline. I think that's something that, you know, the men's volleyball community is going to be keeping track of because what has always been the comment the last five years, anytime you see someone in the Conference Carolinas putting up big numbers, oh, they play in the Conference Carolinas, give them you know better opponents they're not putting up those numbers and I, I i'm going to agree with you you look at the bottom half of the conference carolinas not as strong as other conferences but keep in mind mandaleras barton always played a really tough non-conference schedule and mandaleras in those matches was putting up huge numbers he had 20 kills in a victory against loyola last last year so do i think he's going to be Among the nation's leaders in aces and in the top five for kills, 4.5? No, I I just don't think that you're going to have that pace. But I I think he's going to be floating at about 3.75 this year in terms of kills, especially when you have that nice combo that Ball State's going to run in Caleb Jennings and Man- and mandaleras plus you have a really good seasoned veteran setter in quinn isaacson so that's going to be an interesting interesting one but jumping back to the preseason all-american team jonathan I want to get you in here of all the people on the second team who's the one that you're most intrigued about this upcoming season
2: well first of all, i'll answer a different question my i won't call it a snub but I'm curious how many people didn't uh, include Simon Anderson on either team because they were not sure what position he played because he was – That was you know, me, sent-
1: That was me, Jonathan. That was me for sure, 100%. Yeah.
2: yeah. So, And I don't think there's any decision on what he's going to play this year, which is, you know, kind of unfortunate that you have a, such a talent, but you kind of – if you just base it off that, you know – and you play multiple positions, you're not going to get the love that a player that plays one position uh, gets. But to answer your question, the player that I am really interested in, um, I think, uh, I want to see how pelican Vargas uh, uh, plays. Uh, we, uh, I, I think he really had a, I, I think he had a down year last year, and I think he's right for a bounce back this year. And, um, you know, I I think the MiVA is really up for grabs this year. Other after Lewis, and you know, if they, I could see them easily being a, a top two, top three team if Calvin Vargas has a great year this year. Yeah, oh, and, and also, sorry, Vinny, uh, one minor correction: there are two transfers on the uh, All American team. There's just one that transferred in the offseason. The second transfer is Kyle McCauley. He transferred from junior college last year. Yes,
0: very very good. Thank you for for that correction, Jonathan. You're correct. And, yeah, McCauley is going to be a key piece for that UC San Diego team that really was one of the darling stories of the 2020 season where they started the season kind of as a um, butt of many jokes of whether they'll ever win a conference game and. Lo and behold, they finished in the nation's top ten. So, guys, we kind of talked about some of the individual players this season, but I want for us to delve a little bit into the conferences. So we've had the conference preseason coaches polls that have come on out. Now, historically, you look at these, it's usually, as you would guess, it's a guessing game, it's a crapshoot. Sometimes they're spot on in terms of how the season's going to end, and sometimes they're not. That's why they're called projections. So you look at the teams, though, So who were finished in first place in there. So you had Penn State in the EIVA, Mount Olive in the Conference Carolinas. The Independents, will include them in here as well. That would be um, Lincoln Memorial. MIVA is Lewis. BYU it was the number one team in the MPSF. And then the Big West has yet to release their preseason rankings. But for sake of this argument, we're going to go with Hawaii. So my Shocking. question to you guys, of those seven teams that I just mentioned, who do we feel is the team that most likely will not win their conference this
1: season?
2: I'll let Brandon go first on this one. I have a, a sleeper one myself. All
1: right. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll maybe branch out a little bit. Um, I think it's probably easiest to really say it would be a Conference Carolina team because you've got to think that the talent there is going to be spread out. Um, a lot more. Um, But, you know, I I could see a world where Hawaii doesn't win, right? I could see a world where um, that Santa Barbara team continues to improve. They are a tremendous all-around defensive team. and If they continue to improve offensively, um, you know, I could easily see a San Diego team continue to improve, Irvine. That conference is just so stacked. It's a gauntlet every single match. So, um, I'll, I'll branch out and say that I, I could see a world, you know, God forbid an injury happens or something happens where a
2: player has to miss time, and uh,
1: for Hawaii, and I, I could see a team sneaking in and, and taking that conference.
2: I I would say that my pick, and no uh, disrespect to Lee at uh, Mount Olive, but I I could see King. They were picked second in Conference Carolinas, and I could see them winning. I. There, there's something. There has to be something said for a team that is battle tested, and Ryan Boer's group is battle tested. Ryan Buer himself is battle tested, and um, you know when it comes to down to you know the matches that uh, can uh, really determine a championship, and you know winning the tournament, a uh, conference tournament at the end of the year, ha- having played in those match, those matches that count really. Uh, I think it might be a, the difference maker um, in the Conference Carolinas. Um, I also think that the EIVA, I, I saw what the coaches uh, pretty much all went with uh, Penn State. And to me, it looked a little bit surprising more so because I Penn State uh, doesn't bring back any uh, seniors, uh, all the uh, seniors that could have come back uh, graduated and moved on. And um, they they have quite a, a bit of a – they have quite a, a talented group there, but um, NJIT brings all their seniors back, and, you know, uh, Jimena was one of our uh, second team all, uh, preseason All-Americans, and with him, with uh, Luca Berger, at the middle and then blocker, and I think they have a really um, better than good chance of, um, of taking uh, the EIV championship. Yeah, and I should preference as we're talking about this.
0: I, none of us are sitting here saying, hey, you know, this first place team, you know, that's fixed, finish, first. They stink. Absolutely not. I think the thing, and, no. you know, Brandon, Lou, this is, these conferences are really deep. So, you know, just to hit on a little bit what you were saying, I, you know, I think the interest, a couple interesting storylines for me, and kind of get to my answer here. Um, talk, we talk about, a lot about the conference Carolinas. The fascinating thing, you talk about the top three Conference Carolina teams year in, year out, you know, and those are Barden, King, and Mount Olive. Uh, We would previously have included Erskine, but they've fallen on some struggles since making the NCAA tournament last in 2016. Interesting thing, though, is Mount Olive has never won the Conference Carolinas since it started to earn – an NCAA tournament on, since they earned the NCAA tournament on a mad bid. And this is really, I think, Mount Olive's best shot. And part of that is because I feel that they have the best player in the conference Carolinas right now at the pins, and that's Toby Aziz. Absolute dynamic, lights out player. They both put the ball away, averages about 3.5 kills per game. Deadly serve that really can force teams out of the system. And, you know, he is a cog for them, a go-to. Then you add in their middles that they're able to run. There is so much depth on that team. You know, I really feel that this is the year, especially with Barton going through, you know, Barton lost, you know, the Mandaleras. They lost their setter. They're going to be good. Barton's still going to be good. King's still going to be good. But if there was a year where you say Mount Olive, this is your time, it is definitely there. And, you know, having... Covered this team in person in big matches last year. I really feel that this program is going to rise to that level and they're going to be up to the challenge. So that could be fascinating. But I agree with you, Jonathan, when we talk about the most intriguing pro race. And I really think that's the EIVA. I mean, you're exactly right. You know, you talk about, you know, Penn State you know, Cal Fisher came on so strong the final month before the 2020 season ended. And then you have Brett Wildman, who's just continuing to make a leaps and bounds. You got a great setter there in Cole. There are some really good pieces in place. Plus you talk about their libero, uh, Will Bantley, some strong pieces in place, but the EIVA is deep. I mean, you talk about, you know, NJIT that is just loaded this season and is probably the best player in that conference without a doubt. This is an individual who was playing in, who was playing for the Spanish national team in Europe earlier this year during the during the COVID. You know, they were playing up up in Cyprus, and he was putting up some huge numbers for for that Spanish team. So they are strong. You know, I really like their setter. You know, Ricanita. You know, they have some good pieces right there. But then also two other teams I I really think that we need to keep an eye on. One is George Mason because last we saw George Mason, they were beat up. I think that they were getting to the point where we were probably going to see, like, Jay Hossett just grabbing a student from the stands and saying, hey, you're setting. Like, that's how beat up they were last year. Now you return an All-American caliber player like Hayden Wagner, Sam Greenslade, you got him as your second-pin option who does all the dirty grind stuff, who can put away big kills. Uh, And then you got Jack Reese in the middle. Uh, Them being healthy, that's a test for anyone. That's a challenge for anyone. And then also, let's not forget, let's not sleep on St. Francis as well, which ugly starts the season, but you have to factor in. They were without arguably one of the best players in that conference. And... Michael Fisher, and if you have Michael Fisher, if Rummy is able to get us there to run run the middles with Fish on the outside, that's going to be a deadly team. So I really feel you know Sacred Heart, Charleston, you're a year or two away. There's a four team race in the EIVA, I feel right now. I think Penn State may be a notch ahead to start, but I think mean, that's going to be a grind in that conference.
1: How awesome is it um, that we're talking about? NGIT is not getting the recognition they deserve. Like how great is that for the sport? Oh, you know so that, good. that we're a team that just kind of out of nowhere is accumulating talent and they're putting it together on the court. It is really interesting to change the subject just slightly. It is really interesting to think about how how hard it's gonna to be to think any team taking over for BYU and the MPSF though, about how, how dominating they're going to be, like, on paper, right? I can't even picture many scenarios with, with them not winning the conference.
0: Yeah, I, I think the team that gives the best puncher's chance, and I don't want to step on uh, on Jonathan, um, but I think the team that gives the best puncher's chance is going to be Pepperdine. I mean, just a sound, yeah. defensive team, sound, you know, good team that can go right up to, to Penn State or Pepperdine or one of those teams go right on up to BYU and play toe-to-toe handling the passing game and handling the serving game that BYU's going to bring. But, Jonathan, just get your thoughts because you've been able to talk to a lot of the MPS coaches. No, we'll touch on them a little bit. What's what's your thoughts on the MPSF?
2: Um, my thoughts, and you know this as well as anybody else, I love looking at schedules. And the MPSF is actually playing an unbalanced schedule. It um, It's – I'm not saying that one's more fair than the other. there's a lot of factors that go into it some uh programs can afford to travel some cannot um and you know it when you play at b y u is that um can that be offset by playing at a another school I, I you know there's a lot of and then how many do you play at b y u versus how many um, you uh, host them. There's a lot of factors, and so I'm just saying that it's really hard to put um, schedules or compare schedules uh, apple to a- apples to apples. Um, but that being said, I agree with you. I think Pepperdine is probably the team that probably would have the best chance of upsetting BYU. Um, I, yeah, Noah Dyer, I, he is coming back for his sixth year, and. You know, I I don't. I never got the opinion or the feeling that he really got into his group last year, but I I have a feeling that he will this year, and I am eager to see how that uh, plays out for um, David Hunt's group. Yeah.
0: So, guys, as we continue to, to move on here, this is we're talking volleyball, which I love because gosh knows we haven't been able to talk volleyball. Actual matches for about nine months, you know, it's been, you know, rewatching old YouTube videos of matches or, you know, me covering the Cypress men's volleyball team like no other because they had, uh, you know, Ohio State player on it. But we're actually at this point now, folks, where we have matches that we can talk about. So so I'm going to give this is another segment I like to call reading where let's talk about some of the matches this weekend. I'm just going to give everyone kind of a rundown of some of the matches. So, you guys, Ball State at George Mason, two-match series. You have Penn State at Ohio State. That's going to be a two-match series as well in that one. Lincoln Memorial at Loyola and Queens at Lewis. And then the next day they'll flip-flop, so it will be Lincoln Memorial at Lewis and Queens at Loyola. You have Georgetown at Lindenwood. No, not that Georgetown. A uh, Georgetown in Kentucky, and then you also have Lincoln Memorial at McKendry. Um So, guys, talking about. Oh, and then also, Erskine is going to be competing for the National College Christian, um, the National College Christian Athletic Association National Championship. So guys, of all those matches, which ones are you most intrigued for this upcoming season or this upcoming weekend?
1: I'll go first, Jonathan, uh, because you'll probably have a much deeper opinion on some other matches. Um, for me, it's it's seeing Ball State play and seeing how Angelos Mandilaris fits in on that roster. I think it's this is a pretty early look at how how possibly how the rest of the season is going to be. Um, if he is as big of a pickup as we all hope he's going to be, that could go a really long way for them. And so this is our first chance to be able to really see them. And, and you know, it's obviously against another good team, George Mason, who you mentioned earlier, um, hopefully is healthy and has a lot of talent as well. So that should be um, on paper, a really good match to watch. Yeah.
0: And also keep in mind, entering Joe Walton's final year, the coach has announced that he's going to retire at the end of the season. So, uh Jonathan, for you, what's um uh, what's the match for you that, that you're keeping an eye on?
2: The uh Loyola matches are definitely what I am keeping an eye on. Uh and I'm sure Brandon is too, just because we want to see how Garrett Zolk uh, comes back from his uh injury. He you know, rushed ruptured last year and didn't play because of his uh injury and um yeah. You know, Super this,
1: pumped to see Garrett Zolk again this yeah. year. Yeah. So excited yeah. about that for sure.
2: And, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of rust, and, you know, that's to be expected. And um, But just to see him out on the court, uh, you know, that, that's going to bring a smile to my face for sure.
0: I think that's going to be a good one. So, guys, sticking with this, I'm going to do a couple, um, two matches here that I'm, that I'm kind of intrigued on. So I the Lincoln Memorial trip, they're playing Loyola, they're playing Lewis. This is going to be interesting because it will give us a good gauge of how good Lincoln Memorial is. I, you know, I really think Lincoln Memorial is going to win the IBA this season. I think the, probably their biggest test is going to be Limestone. That's a good team that Sam, that Steve Benson has down there in Gaffney, South Carolina. But I think Lincoln Memorial is the favorite. And in their National Media Day news conference, Pedro or their setter Pedro Carraro, he said twice we are going to go on to feed the season. So once it's kind of like, okay, you know, you're saying that, but then then you go back and you're saying it twice, there is a level of confidence with the rail splitters and they are going into, you know, two really good programs going on the road, you know, see how they handle that. The other thing is this is a different year for traveling. I mean, you're talking about, you know, traveling by bus, you know, you're wearing a mask on that bus. I mean, it is, you know, uh, there are so many different components this season when we talk about COVID where, you know, traveling is going to be a challenge. Loyola, you know, I, they're playing; in, they're going to be playing their home matches in their practice gym. Still better than Alumni Arena where they used to play, but going could be an interesting thing. But I'm just so really
2: intrigued to see
0: how Lincoln Memorial is able to hold up in these matches. You know, I, they have some really good pieces there. You know, obviously they lost Evan Corey. That is such a, a huge loss for, for that program as he graduated and is moving on. But you, you look at the pieces that they have with Justin Shankfer. He put up huge numbers. It, with all due respect, it, it's against – it was against Leeds McRae that he was playing up those big numbers this past weekend. A little bit better competition with Loyola and Lewis. So that is one that I'm intrigued on to see. That will be kind of a good gauge to see how Lincoln Memorial is this season. And then the other one that we got to talk about, Penn State and Ohio State. I mean, the, the two Big West teams, they're going to be playing four big matches big against each team. other. Oh, big say that teams. again? You oh, said Big, big
2: West. West, Big Ten.
0: Oh, Big Ten, Big Ten. I'm sorry. I'm so used to volleyball. So used to volleyball. Or, you know, I'm just, I hear Big, I say West. But no, two Big Ten teams going at it. They're going to be playing two matches this weekend, then two matches the next weekend. And that's going to be the bulk of both those teams' non-conference plays. You know, Ohio State, um there were so many good pieces right there last season. You know Michael Wright was a one of the top freshman setters in the nation. He was playing so he was playing so well. I really like the freshmen who they added from cypress and and sort of and I think that you know Sapanis is going to be a dynamic player. You couple that with some of the other pin hitters that they have, whether it's Maureen Ladman. Uh, there's some great pieces right there that Kevin Barch has. Now I'm intrigued to see how you do going up against a little bit more of a veteran team in Penn State. That That's going to be a fascinating one for me. I think that we're going to see some really good pin play in that one.
2: So one last thing, about, and we're talking about uh, teams and schedules, and um, the other thing that I – uh, will be a, something that we'll definitely keep an eye on all season long. And you tweeted this out earlier today is uh, cancellation of the matches. North Greenville's uh, match against Limestone uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, was canceled. And um, I, that's not going to be the first, uh, last one for sure. And um, I'm obviously West Coast-based, uh, so for me – it'd be interesting how that impacts BYU because they have to fly out to every, all the other teams that they really play. So uh, I, I, I guess that's a long way of saying that we really are hoping that everybody's uh, doing their due diligence in terms of staying safe and say, staying healthy and, and um, washing their hands, wearing masks and all that good stuff. And um yeah.
0: All right, Def, you are exactly right, Jonathan. So let's end on a little bit of a lighter note here before we wrap on up, guys. So as we know, it's the start of the season. A lot's different this season. We've kind of talked about the COVID year that they're playing. But, you know, one thing that's probably not going to change too much is going to be the amount of service errors that we see this opening weekend. So let's just make our picks right now. Um Give me the team that had the. Give me a team that has the most service errors this season, or most service errors in a match this weekend, and the amount.
2: Well, since UCLA is not playing this weekend, it's not them. <laughs> Darn. Yeah,
1: I, yeah. I, I was. Wait, I was waiting for the qualifier of this weekend. Just, yeah, this for weekend.
2: Sure. <laughs> Damn. I'll say I'll,
1: I'll say Ball State this weekend, and how many matches are they playing? Are they playing more than one? Yeah, yeah, or they're, just, they're just
0: playing one. But, but but we'll say just in one match.
1: Okay, I'll say in – I think that could go four easy. I'll say 28 servicers.
0: 28, dang. All right, I, I like that. Jo- Jonathan, go. let's go with you. What? Who do you have?
2: Um, I hope Kevin Birch uh, uses this as the fuel for his team, but I'm going to go with Ohio State. More, I, My rationale on this is that I think – Penn State, Ohio State has the ability to at least go four. They will, should go four in both matches and maybe even single sets in one of those matches. And I just think that, um, you know, obviously the longer you go, the more you have uh, more service series you can have. And so I think Ohio State combined in their two matches will have – I'll go with 40. 40, okay. What
0: 20 both nights or is one night going to be worse?
2: I'll go, like, 22 and 18. How's that?
0: All right. Sounds good. You know what? I'm going to be optimistic here, guys. We are, you know, 2021, I think. I'm going to go with Penn State. I'm going to say the first night, 17 service errors. That will be the most for the week, for the weekend. I'm being optimistic, guys. We're in 2021. I mean, seriously, we, we, we talked about it at the beginning of the show, like, I mean, it's just going to be a great Wednesday. You have you have Joe Kensington there playing. I mean, Joe, we have been waiting four years for Joe on this Wednesday to play. It should be a fun match between Lewis and Campbellsville. It's
1: just Jonathan, going to be so great. Jonathan, it was right there for you, man. 20 and 21 missers. 2021, and you went with 2020, the worst yeah. year in the history of mankind. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this guy. Jonathan's off to a rip-roaring start this season. All all right,
0: guys. Well, that's going to do it for us here on this episode of the End for Off the Block podcast. Hey, we want to encourage everyone to rate, review, and subscribe. We also want to encourage you throughout the week to check out the Off the Block website where you're going to get all of your news and coverage for college men's volleyball. All right, well, that's going to do it for us here. Hey, everyone, stay safe. Wear a mask. Wash your hands, and let's enjoy some fun volleyball. Have a good one, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed and for Off the Block, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. For more volleyball coverage throughout the week, visit the Off the Block website at offtheblogblog.com. You can also find us on all the major social media platforms at Off the Block 11